Are you tired of your content not getting the reach it deserves? Change that at Grow With Video Summit. From May 23rd through the 25th, join industry leaders like Gary Vee, Ali Abdal, Patrick Bet David, Cody Sanchez, and more for strategies that will elevate your visibility and engagement. So go to summit.thinkmedia.com to secure your ticket. Just click the link in the description or go to summit.thinkmedia.com. Any of you listening, your first video is not going to get views, period. All you need to do is make 100 videos and improve something every time. He knows how to do this. If you're nervous to get on camera and you're fearful, do it and do it a lot and you will grow. If you want to have the biggest YouTube channel in the world, why do you want to do that? It is very interesting that he's saying the higher he goes, the lonelier he gets. But I think that if it's lonely at the top for you, you did it wrong. So this might be one of the most tactical Think Media podcast episodes for getting more views because we're going to be talking about a recent conversation with the fastest growing YouTuber on YouTube, breaking down all of his secrets. Mr. Beast and Lex Friedman did a podcast super long. It's like three hours long, but Nolan and I both watched it. And then there's an account on Twitter, Zach, who really broke down some takeaways. And I was doing takeaways when I was watching it. Nolan was making notes of some things. So we wanted to pull out some quotes and really share those with you so you can have some actionable strategies for growing on YouTube right now. So Nolan, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, the first one, uh, basically these are just some quotes from the podcast from Mr. Beast. And the first one is, don't focus on metrics, just focus on making the best videos possible and the metrics will be taken care of. I mean, I agree with that. I think that uh, it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. If you don't make good videos the metrics won't be taken care of. And so that is a true sentiment. And uh, I think it's an inspiring quote because what can happen to people is they can get overly stuck in the data and the details, not focusing enough on making great videos and just focusing on tags, titles, those little minute things, which are important, but they definitely come secondary. And uh, Mr. Beast has embodied this and it's working for him. So I, I see this this That's is true. one of the things that he says so much, and it kind of reminds me of Jeff Bezos and how he always says the same thing in all these interviews. And uh, I believe what Jeff says, I'm going to butcher this, but it's something along the lines of like whatever's best for the customer. And this is something, this quote, I'm like, I hear Mr. B say this all the time in almost every interview. And he's always talking about making the best videos possible. And there is, you know, something about that. And it's clearly working for him. And there's just a lot to learn from how fast he's been able to grow. The next one is it's much easier to get 10 million views on one video than a hundred thousand views on a hundred videos. Because if you make a good video, it's so evergreen and it never dies. So this is a powerful quote because there's so much to learn. And of course, Mr. Beast has the receipts to prove that this is true for him. But I think out of context, I disagree with this, meaning this. Okay, Mr. Beast did 100 videos and even hundreds before he personally cracked the code and built experience. Two, he had a little mastermind with other creators where they met every single day for a year plus coming up with uh, what works on YouTube, what doesn't work, studying YouTube. And so he knows the formula now. He knows how to do this. And this is true for him because he'll now put a million, two, three, four million dollars into one video. And so he's trying to say, hey, it's much easier to make one great video, spend a mil or two on it. You know what I mean? And not a, not a hundred grand, like a million dollars on a video. So that is just so 
out of touch with the regular creator. And I would say that, no, actually, it's not easier to get 10 million views on one video. It's easier to get 100,000 views on 100 video for the average creator. Plus, if you step outside of the niche and you step into, is that true for real estate agents? Is that true for uh, service providers? Is that true? And he's not saying it that way. He's definitely speaking to that all-star, celebrity, entertaining YouTuber. The one other thing I would say is just comparing it to one other example. There's a channel, uh, James Janney, and he's been known for making these kind of mini documentaries that are 25 minutes to 45 minutes. He's made it about fake gurus. He made one about uh, mega churches. He made one recently about um, cryptocurrency. This thing is insane. I watched the entire cryptocurrency one. Now we'll see how well it does. They're like Netflix documentaries. Yeah. They're very well done. They're very well done. It, they take him weeks upon weeks, I think, if not months. He he po- he posts pretty infrequently because they're so such masterpieces. And some of them, yes, are approaching that multi-million viewed level. Maybe some are getting closer to 10. But on the flip side, I think he did one recently on scams. Yeah, YouTuber scams in the comments. And it took a lot of energy, but it didn't even hit a million. Um, so I think the punchline too is if you're investing even on a smaller Mr. B schedule, a ton of money, a ton of time, a, a ton of energy, and you're just saying, oh, it's easier to get 10 million. Well, a lot of the people that are putting in high levels of energy aren't consistently pulling those types of views. And I think for the average person, it would be much more practical to have more at bats. If you're yes. if, you, if you're just putting, it's like roulette. You're putting all on, you know, red, not just red, red twenty two. Like that is quite a bit of risk. And if you diversify your uploads, I think what it speaks to is how important quality is. But I think it's set it at quite an extreme. And Mr. Beast is such a unicorn that. I I agree with this one, but I also don't agree with it. I completely agree with everything you said. And I just think it's important for like people listening to this podcast. And I love that we're having the conversation, like speaking to the average YouTuber, because most people don't have the understanding of YouTube. And when you're trying to make these viral videos and you're spending a lot of time, uh, if you miss, you miss big because you just spent a month or two months on one video and you're not Mr. Beast. And so you get 50 views. That kind of sucks. Big so, time. Uh, I, I love this conversation that we're having. The next quote was that the longer people watch, the more likely they are to keep watching. You don't need to try as hard in the back half of the video as you do in the front. Get people where they're really immersed and hold them there. Yeah, I agree with this. I love this because, um, and we teach the perfect video recipe, which would be the big idea, the hook, the content, and the transition. The hook is just spending time to architect the beginning of the video. And if part of that, even if you were just to say do a live stream and you were to do a video podcast, we thought about the hook up front to try to pitch the value and say why that, you know, listen till the end, there's gonna be a lot of tactics, it's gonna be a very nuanced conversation. And so we are really freestyling our responses based on our experience here, but we architected the hook. Once people get to the back half, they're probably committed, especially in this setting, you know, there's, People in our Think Media podcast yeah. community walking their dog right now. They're at the gym right now. You, you don't really set down the weights. You're like committed to listening to this longer form conversation. So this is completely true. I think that selling people, not just on the opening of the video, but the topic itself, the topic title thumbnail, that's the big idea. The hook, once someone is invested, absolutely, they'll probably stick around. So it's, it's a poignant sentence 
and couple of sentences that we could all learn from. So Mr. Beast is hiring a big team of people to help him because he has multiple channels. And uh, I know you can relate to this. And so I'm interested to hear what you have to say. But the quote is that hire hard workers who are really obsessed, coachable, and train them on YouTube. And then a different quote that uh, goes with this hiring is people who see the value in the work is who, is who you should hire. So um, not people using Mr. Beast to get on TV and movies. And I remember even in the podcast, or maybe it was a different podcast, he talks about how he oftentimes doesn't hire people who are applying that are in the Hollywood industry because they don't understand YouTube. They don't have that same love or understanding. And I would love to know your thoughts on this when it comes to hiring and also how this can be just applicable to solo creators looking to expand and all the things with hiring. Yeah, this was one of my favorite parts of the interview. I think working backwards, the fact that he wants to actually kind of avoid people that have worked in traditional media and movies because they also seem to disrespect YouTube still, which I think is an underdog opportunity for everybody listening to it this. Is. YouTube is still underrated. It's still for, he doesn't want people that see YouTube as a stepping stone. He's like, it's not a step in the game, it's the game itself. And it's actually the superior game. Recently, YouTube uh, was talking about Creator Trends, YouTube blog, and they announced that the number one, basically OTT platform that Americans are watching um, or on their smart TVs is YouTube. That they're American families are gathering around the TV and Nielsen reports they're watching more YouTube than they are Hulu and Netflix. That's a big deal. And what That's and crazy. Netflix is That's making pretty cool. original programming, Hulu is films are are cooler than ever. Movies are are better than ever, but the math and the data is telling us that YouTube is the primary game. So, I think that's fascinating in and of itself and and I think I love that ethic because he's building a culture as we're trying to do at Think Media as well. And you want people that are aligned with your values. You want people that value, as he's saying, the value in the work itself of crafting YouTube content, of being in the creator economy, of being in this new media, of this different type of media than that media. And no disrespect to that media, just like connect with the world you want to be connected with. If you want to work your way up in Hollywood, then get on set uh, TV shows and movies. But if you want to be on YouTube, fall in love with YouTube. So I think that is a huge culture point. As a leader, you want to build a strong culture. You want to build a unified team. And I think that at the same time, I don't, I wouldn't mind somebody that wanted though to also even use Think Media as a stepping stone. I have no audacity to think that like you'd have to stay here forever or like YouTube, we'd only work with, you know, if you are passionate and you want to hang with us, literally the way we met, you're working in Hollywood, you're working on movie sets. And at the time too, I was like, for, for sure, bro. And you had that dream. And as you spent time at Think Media, I think maybe your pers- I'd love to hear your perspective has kind of shifted to see you still love that world. I think that there'll probably be an intersection of your passion for that world and what happens in the future. But you maybe started to kind of feel differently about YouTube over the years. Yeah, I mean, so I moved to Los Angeles. I got married really young. I was just about to turn 21. We got married two weeks later, moved to LA and I was going to pursue pursue my dreams of filmmaking. And that's, that's still something I want to do, but I definitely, um, it's a grind. Like it's, it's a real grind. And I was a production assistant, 
you know, and oftentimes driving an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two hours in traffic because of where we lived to make it to the sets. And it was always different locations. It was long days too. It was like 12, 14 hour days. And so it was a, it was a grind for sure. Right. But I also have always loved YouTube. I've kind of had these two passions of filmmaking and YouTube. And you and I connected actually on my drive to LA was the first time I think you called me and like, you want to come and film? We're doing a conference. And that was the first growth video live. Um, and so, you know, we stayed connected. I came down, filmed, and we started doing, uh, started editing more for you guys and started uh, shooting some of the book tour. And and I had a really good time and it, I still love filmmaking, but I kind of came to a point where I was like, now, dude, I'm, I definitely see the future of YouTube and like, I'm, I'm so committed to YouTube and so, of course, I'm not using Think Media to, like, become an actor or something. <laughs> or, like, you know, like, I could see how that makes sense for Mr. Beast. But for me, I definitely saw the value of YouTube. And I was like, I want to learn. I think that's, you know, we had another podcast episode where we kind of talked about this, right? And how people should be working for YouTubers to learn and build that education. And so I feel lucky to kind of get in when I got in to get the experience. And, um, yeah, I... I am on the side though of like, I'm with Mr. I'm on the side of Mr. Beast. I'm like, I see YouTube going far. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm all bought in and that's one of my main passions. And so it's been, it's been a fun ride. We've, uh, we've come quite a long ways and it kind of even goes into the next one, which is managing creatives. And Mr. Beast talks about this. And this is something that, uh, you know, is, is a new thing for me and something that I'm learning. Uh, my, current position is creative director. And this is a, a new role that I've stepped into at Think Media. And so though Kyle on our team is the content team director, he does more of the managing creatives, but I mean, I'm a creative at heart. Kyle's a creative at heart and we're, we're working with other creatives. And I think this part of the podcast is going to be interesting for people who are looking to hire that first editor, that first thumbnail artist, because the quote is, the more constraints you put on the team, the more repetitive and less innovation you get. After 10 videos, people are going to say, all right, I've already seen this. What are your thoughts on putting constraints on creatives that you're bringing onto your team? Yeah, I mean, this part also really stood out to me, and I actually agree, and I think that this is something I want to grow in, and you could transparently tell me your feedback and my leadership style, I actually am kind of more the maybe constraints guy. Cause I'm the guy that like loves the practical ranked videos, base hit video ranking Academy. And I'm like, I'm not even trying to innovate that much necessarily. Now, of course, think media has evolved. The brand has changed. I, I'm always trying to grow. I think you have to grow and change and uh, level up for each season. But I am self-aware that I think inside of a box. And I um, that's one reason why I have tried to uh, empower you and Kyle to lead the Think Media team and have freedom. And so, and to not try to, to have like, yes, we have a framework. Yes, we have certain things. And yes, there's gonna be certain practical things we need to do, whether that's fulfill on a brand deal or even practical things of ranking a simple video. It's such a different mentality to rank a simple video talking about tech and just make money with affiliate marketing and make money for the next five years with that video is a different mentality than trying to like 
break the internet, break YouTube and crush the algorithm. It's so, so you probably have learned about me. I'm like, yeah, I I love that practical boring would almost be the word, like a little bit more boring. However, I've acknowledged and seen on on you. It's also one of the reasons why I felt confident to even literally make you the creative director of think media that you are innovative. You are creative. And I wouldn't want you to feel red tape or the inability to experiment. I tell you and Kyle, like, there's all we're adhering to a five upload schedule. Once you add shorts, where goal is fourteen. Think Media podcast longs and shorts. Think Media longs and shorts and lives combine it all fourteen uploads. Basically, just daily on both. I've said also though, like if you if we want to slow down or let's take a week where we invest that energy in one instead of seven or different in things or let's fill in the shorts and do longer. I, I totally agree with this quote. And I think that the over structure or the over managing or too much red tape kills the creative spirit. And what he mentioned with some of his friends, I think he was talking about Eric or different people who were trying to like repeat the system down the line by turning virality into a checklist. And that it is and it isn't though, that it can't be, that there needs to be room that if you just keep following a formula, it feels formulaic and now you're no longer relevant. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, this is a, I love talking about this because I think a lot of people on both ends can get constraints confused with just like vision. And uh, here's a great example. So I think you've done a great job of giving us not many constraints in a good way. Like I feel like you have stuck to that. Um, I used to work at my church and I don't know if you felt like this, but my dad was actually, uh, the pastor, uh, still the pastor of the church. And I was working at the church in video and he's not as creative as I am when it comes to just video and, and, and art and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so he would, we'd be doing a video and he'd always cast a vision for the video and, I think for me at the time, I was also young, but I was like, I would always combat him and be like, I I think we should do this. It was like different. You know, I was like, I think I have a better idea. I think, I think creatives just need to be more open and communicate more because a lot of the times you have someone who they actually sometimes, depending on who you're working with, they need to cast some sort of vision so that we can just get on the same page. It really is just communication. So you might come to us and say, Hey, we, uh, we're doing a brand deal with Canon. Yeah, uh, that maybe a brand deal is not the best because we'd be working with them, but still the communication of like, you know, the brand or someone saying this is what we want. But as creatives, like we're getting paid for our creative thinking. And so communicating, say, what do you think about this idea? And not, you know, just being stubborn that someone's putting you in a box. It's like, no, just communicate and, and, and be open to uh, giving them new ideas and hearing that feedback. And so I, I, I was telling uh, our, we always tell our team, our content team, um, and Kyle and I, you know, I think what we try to do is create an environment of open communication. So we'll tell people, hey, when we review your videos and we make comments, creative is very, it's, it's opinion based. It's, it's a gut feeling oftentimes with a video. It's like this feels slow paced. I feel like this shot should not be there. And so we tell our our editors, uh, our thumbnail designers, like, please challenge us. If you think we're wrong, like, let us know. Ultimately, we, we still have the final decision, but we want that open communication because in creative work, it's like, we know we, we're not always going to have the right answer. And I think it's just like being, having that humility to say together, actually, we're, that's why we do title crew where we come up with 10 different titles for a YouTube video. And we all talk about it together because 
collaboration, I think, is the best way. Get everybody's creativity and then let's decide on one thing rather than saying, I'm the boss. This is what it's going to be. And so I think um, that has stemmed just from the way that you've built the culture and how we've been able to pass that down. I'm sure we could get better at that, but we try to leave that creativity open so that people, if you're creative and you're not able to be creative, that why is that person in that job as a graphic designer or as yeah. an editor? Might as well go work at a coffee shop yes. and then in their free time, be creative. You know, this is so good and we should, I mean, let us know, especially if you're watching this on video, if you'd want you know, more, uh, context or do you have any follow-up questions? I mean, if you're on audio, hit up the video version and leave a comment because I think we should do some dedicated podcast episodes on building creative teams or leadership. But the one other thing I've been trying to grow in is, and this is advice for leaders that you should delegate responsibility and not tasks. When someone's growing, you may delegate tasks, but now you're going to be managing them more you should delegate responsibility. So one of the things I tried to do is try to simplify as much as possible. And one of the things I told you and Kyle, right, was like, if possible, like you're in charge, grow Think Media 10 to 20% top line and ad revenue, affiliates, brand deals, period. And then I don't care how you do it. Now I do care and we do have feedback and whatnot. And then of course I want to be in communication. There's something you want to delegate, but not dump and there's something about holding, it's not just about numbers or profit or something or gross revenue. It's also, of course, about culture and branding. I think it was grow at 20% while maintaining trust with the community and not selling yeah. out or, or violating our brand. And so to that end where I'm like, there's something disciplined about five, seven up, uh, five to seven uploads a week. However, all the way back up to the Mr. Beast point, I could see there being one or two uploads a week and maybe we're not getting 10 million views, but instead of getting 10,000 or 20,000 on each upload, we get 100,000 on two uploads. I know that I understand that YouTube works that way. So I don't want you to feel that you're getting micromanaged. I think one way to kill a creative spirit is to micromanage them. And I think the objection is sometimes people, if they're raising up younger creatives, they might feel like, yeah, but they need so much management. It's a tension to, to be managed, to say, you meant delegate vision, delegate a target, and then actually empower people to run towards that target because there's so many different ways to get there. I don't care necessarily how you get there. If you don't violate the values or culture, let's experiment yeah. Yeah. And, and to try to create an R&D experiment culture. But yeah, I, I hope this conversation is valuable. Yeah. We could keep it moving. Um, yeah. What's the next one? Yeah. So Mr. B started talking about talking uh, on camera and uh, this is cool because he wasn't, he wasn't the best at talking to the camera and he's kind of evolved over the years. His quote was, when I look at the camera, I don't see a camera. I'm picturing what the viewer sees when they watch it. And another quote to go with this is, I can perfectly picture what I'm filming by looking at the camera and putting myself through the lens of the camera while making content. I do it at the same time. <laughs> he also said it's harder for him to talk to a person than it is to a camera. Uh, what do you what do you think about that? It's a really interesting perspective that he has when he's filming videos. I think the talk, the takeaway here, especially for contextualizing for our audience, your camera conf, if you're nervous to get on camera and you're fearful, do it and do it a lot and you will grow. Yeah. If you um, don't feel like you're a great communicator, do it and do it a lot. Study the game tape, study communication, and you will grow. And I, I caught when I was listening to this interview that repetition 
um, has gotten him to a place where, again, he's more comfortable talking to a camera than a person. He can visualize. That's everything is you don't know how you look on camera, but if you edit your video or review your video enough and you do it enough time, you literally begin to develop almost like a four dimensional perspective where you understand where you're framed, you're understanding where lighting is. You just do this long enough and you're moving things. You kind of maybe even without going and reviewing the footage, you're thinking about what the background is and all these different details. The takeaway is start, start messy and keep doing it. And these skills take time to develop. And then I think the other takeaway there is in business, they say you should have a customer avatar and, and YouTube, you should have a target audience. And he says, I'm picturing the viewer when they watch it and understanding the creator who understands the viewer best wins. And I know for some people, especially in business, they a lot of times will name their avatar. So they're like, her name is Susan. She drives a minivan. She has three kids. She's thinking about starting a Etsy store. So I'm always talking to Susan. She's 35. She's been married seven years. When you're creating content, and and obviously that's not the only person watching your content, but the greater clarity you have, uh, you know, his name's uh, Zach, he's Gen Z, he's a gamer. He, uh, likes listening to Lil Pump. He likes this, you know, he's, um, wearing nineties fashion. That's coming back into style. These are the other creators he watches all of a sudden focus down your communication style. The same way you would is if you were talking to someone's child, if you were talking to someone's grandparent, if you were talking to your own parent, like you're just, you would communicate differently. When you get the, that clarity and those handles on your content creation, that's when content can really start to, re, to resonate. And Mr. Beast definitely knows who his audience is. He understands this younger people, gamers kind of mentality, you know, and he articulates that, a lot of Gen Z people. And so even when some people are like, I don't love his content, like some baby boomers, like I don't get what people think is the big deal. Exactly. He's, his content's not even for you. And so who are you making content for? Um, and the creator who understands the viewer best wins. What do you think about this? No, I think it's totally good. I My takeaway is I think the reason he's able to look into the camera and envision himself, his body language, the way he sounds, is because he reviewed the tape so much that now – the, that's 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 kind of what I've noticed is when I'm shooting a video, I'm like, I'm doing what then the last video I was like, that was annoying. I need to stop doing that. And so for him, he's watching his footage back. And I think people that's a takeaway, watch your footage back and just kind of notice how can how can I improve talking to the camera? It's a skill that can be learned. And it does take a lot of practice. He, I want to just briefly touch on this one because I think this will be super valuable for people who have larger YouTube channels or really want to scale their YouTube channel and make it a, a legit business like Mr. Beast is doing. But he talked about how he has people in his company that can think like him. They make decisions like me. They'd make the same decision I would make for four to five years. Me and his CEO spent an absurd time together. And then he also said, I'm a big fan of finding people who are super obsessed and all in and a players that really just want to be great. And then just dumping everything I have into them. My question is how, what are you doing, um, with, with team members, uh, with, with even could go into hiring, but the people who are already on the team, how are you building them up to carry the culture, to carry the vision of think media so that it can outlast 
you, you know, when, when you decide to hang up the coat one day. Yeah. I mean, this is such good leadership content. It really speaks to how good of a leader Mr. Beast is. Most people probably, maybe they would assume that, but you wouldn't really put him in that category. What he's building, the team he's building. I think that, uh, one, yeah, if people are going to think like you, you need to process decisions together. So Mm -hmm. processing decisions together, making sure you're in communication, the four to five years thing is interesting. We're coming up on four to five years. Kyle and I are on like a decade. Omar and I are on like a decade. Mel's like five years. And I think that should encourage listeners that we have spent an absurd amount of time together. I think being in the trenches together through Grow With Video Live, through challenges, through even spending this podcast today, Mel's here, Kyle's here, we're all hanging out, we're processing things in between. A players, absolutely, that want to be great. A commitment to excellence, having a commitment in your culture to excellence. I feel that way from top to bottom of the Think Media team. Just because some of our cultural values are lifelong leaders or lifelong learners, we want to level up, we want to learn. I would hope so, because that's also we want to practice what we preach and we are encouraging listeners of the Think Media podcast. The best investment you can make is in yourself. Eric Ries said, the only way to win is to learn faster than anyone else. So people that are obsessed, people that are growing, people that want to uh, be great. And then as far as practically, um, I am always looking to try to create growth opportunities and leadership opportunities. And so whether that's it's convenient. Kyle and I uh, actually, our parents all live in the same area in the, Washington. And so when he was up building out uh, that studio on that end, we were able to go out to eat and, and spend time together. You and I went to Miami to film Patrick Bed David. So getting that time together, there's we're planning kind of a Nashville trip. And I'm asking, you know, could we bring one somebody else on the team with us? Mm-hmm. Who can you bring with us? I learned that back in youth ministry days from Jeff Moores. He said, if you want to develop leaders, if you are going someplace and doing it alone, you're doing it wrong. Now, virtual teams is very difficult, but he would be like, okay, um, we're going to do a little skate event. We used to do this skate event called 8th Street. We have to go to Home Depot and pick up some wood for the ramps or pick up some stuff for like the the merch stand or the the food stand. He's like, why are you going why aren't you bringing somebody with you? Mm-hmm. Like, like put some, just put somebody with you. That's really good. And I think what people think it has to be always structured. Like, let's sit down and talk about a leadership book. Let's sit down and force conversation. Actually, just proximity. More is caught than taught. More is and caught. I, yeah. And I've I've learned so much more just by being around you, being with you, going to Miami with you, than you sitting down and being like, this is the way. Like, no, I just. Just being around the right people, I'm like, I've learned so much being being around you and just the Think Media team. I completely agree with that. And so that's it. I mean, and I do think that uh, for someone listening to this, I mean, we also are, are growing the team here at Think Media. You can always go to workwiththink.com for open positions. And then we're also, besides the open positions, we are always looking for people that are hungry and obsessed and A players that want to be a part of a cool team and a cool culture. And people can be remote here. But I remember the story of Jared Glant going to work for Grant Cardone. He flew across country, got a cheap apartment, lived on an air mattress. And this was like 13 years ago when Cardone Enterprises was nowhere near what it is today. Like he would even say, if, he, if people even know that name, Grant Cardone, like no one even knew him like six years ago. And now he's blown up. So there's like these tipping points. But Jared went 10, 13 years ago 
if possible, moving to Vegas, I mean, at this point you're in Eastern Washington because of family and kids, we're spending more time. So we definitely are a remote team. And then that'd be the other thing is like, I, we don't have offices right now. So I'm always asking, how can we invest dollars also in team and culture? I do think Mr. Beeston, his friends and his team, there's a lot of, they're very much in proximity because they're creating so much physical videos yeah. where they're, it's their particular style. Valuetainment requires everybody to actually come to Fort Lauderdale and, and live there. So it's different teams, different culture. We definitely have the remote opportunities, but I do feel the power on the nugget of location even if it's for a season, can be very life-changing, changing your location, getting in the room, getting there physically, getting around people. I mean, even here in Vegas, people that have come out, some you know, people, uh, a lot of our team is kind of has a faith background. A lot of people here go to the same church. Omar's got the video department out here. Different people who've helped us, like Yell is contract video editor. She's doing other stuff. But they moved from California and they got just in the flow of things and it started leading to opportunities and leveling up and you're kind of like, so sometimes, I don't know, maybe you're listening to this podcast, it might be smart to make a move. It might be smart to try to go change locations and getting in the room so that you can have an absurd amount of time spent together. We take everybody out to eat, you know, uh, the Think Media team to, uh, yeah, last night. Steaks. That was here. Steaks, baby. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, everybody's invited, but I mean, if you don't live, and, uh, and people understand that they got families, they got kids, it's, it's all cool. There's something powerful, though, about being there in person, and a lot of magic happens, especially in a virtual world. Like, I don't know why I'm, I, I'll, I'll land the plane on this point here, but it's like, even still, we are going to, we're in a season, you got Luca, we've got Sean Bradley and John Steven, kids, and we definitely are honoring that family value first. Mm -hmm. But we're also talking about how we're hopping on a plane maybe once a month all year long. We're here part of the year in Vegas to get in person and to get into that synergy and to get around the other think team that's in Vegas and whatnot. Um, I think that proximity can be power, especially in regards to cloning yourself and hopefully not just cloning Sean Cannell or cloning Nolan Molt, because that'd be the next goal too. I always say like, if you work yourself out of the job, I'll always give you another one. Immediately from the day you start, I want people thinking about the replacement. Not that you should ever, ever feel vulnerable or insecure. That's just what leadership is. Leaders don't create more followers. They create more leaders and they are duplicating themselves so the legacy lives on. Even if we don't go anywhere, we're stronger because we've cloned ourselves. And so in order to ultimately be able to do that, I think that spending an absurd amount of time together, getting in the room and uh, committing to whatever it takes you know, we're going to be flying out a lot, shooting more of these in-person podcasts. So anyways. Love it. This video was brought to you by StreamYard. StreamYard is our go-to platform for streaming to YouTube and Facebook with an incredibly easy to use interface for built-in branding, transitions, text lower thirds, and seamlessly bringing on guests. It really is one of the best options when it comes to live streaming. And what's so cool is they've implemented a brand new feature called local recording. Take control of your audio and video with local recordings by separating out your audio and video from your guests. This feature gives you the control over your content for later use, making it perfect for podcasts and video creators. Just go to streamwiththink.com to get started now. Mr. B said, the only way I've found to consistently come up with 100 million view videos is to take inspiration and see what my brain outputs. I'd love your thoughts on uh, people. I know a lot of people struggle with plateauing. They used to get views. They don't now. 
Uh, what do you think about this quote from Mr. Beast? Yeah, I think that this is, I've learned this as well. And here's my take. If you're having writer's block, if yeah. you're having video ideas block, things that could be powerful, go for a walk, take a nap, register for a conference, go to a museum, watch some other YouTube content that you normally wouldn't watch, go to the trending page, listen to some music, watch a documentary about a musician on their come up, on their rise and how they innovated their career. You wanna take in inspiration and sometimes inspiration from divergent sources. Buy a concert ticket. Um, go to a, a light show. You know, we're what, what's a light show? I don't know. Go to go to some kind of a cool art display. Now, it's, it is interesting when you live in inspirational places. We, you've been in LA. That has a lot happening there. Go to Disneyland. Go to California Adventure. Go to. You may not be doing anything at that scale, but sometimes just disconnecting and plugging into something else. Read a new book. Read a book you wouldn't normally read. Grab a journal. Start you know journaling at the beach. Go someplace. And there's so much inspiration, I think, even in your hometown. We all get in ruts and routines where you're taking the same roads, you're going to the same restaurants, you're going to the same coffee shop. Like, disrupt yourself and just get some new inspiration, kind of with no agenda, just in the simple fact of breaking up the routine. And then, as he says, see what your brain outputs. I have found that for me, I want to. Uh, consume inspirational sources of media and experiences, and I just need to get out of my day-to-day. And then later on, quote-unquote inspiration comes out of your brain, but you want to be feeding it that different raw material. So I think this is a life hack. It's a content creator hack. And I think that for those listening to this, um, you are what you eat. So what is your current diet of inspiration and divergent media sources, experiences? And it doesn't have to be a one-to-one. Like I'm not even that pumped on like art museums, although I love art and creativity. And I remember we went to the Palm Springs Museum of Art or whatever. It's like, it was a pretty cool experience, but I wasn't like, I wasn't, I didn't like look at a piece of art and I was like, there's a YouTube video idea. It's different. You're getting into different mediums, colors, and then maybe you do take a photo of a couple things and hang out, but simply the process of disconnecting, resting, letting yeah, your fill brain that tank up. And then I think a lot of times that helps, like you're talking about going on a walk and stuff. You might not have inspiration for a new video going on your walk, but like that disconnect and refilling that tank allows you to be more creative is what I found. Yeah, 100%. So it's a very, that's a powerful uh, quote. On titles, he said that the more extreme the opinion, typically the higher the click-through rate. Uh, if you can pay it off in the content, that supercharges it. Yeah, it's he's saying kind of clickbait, but ethical clickbait yeah. because you pay it off, you can do it on the content. And it's kind of the good and dark side of of social media is that the polarizing sides are what get the most attention. But I think you should use this wisely and you should do it with integrity. If you are truly convicted, it's about something, then being bold, being fearless, not being afraid of FOPO, other people's opinions, fear of other people's opinions. It's just a fact. And I I was telling people in the YouTube challenge we did, uh, and we'll leave a link in the description if you guys want to sign up for the next one. It's a it's a free challenge, and we were in the VIP group, and someone was asking about how to engage in comments. I feel like there's a correlation here also with titles because I agree with what he's saying. But I was telling them one of the best ways to just flood the comments on your YouTube videos is to make a strong statement. And that's kind of what he's saying here with titles as well. Like if you have an extreme opinion, but like you're saying you believe it, like 
speak on that. Like you, you talk a lot about Jesus. You talk a lot about God, your faith. And for some people, that's very extreme. It's an extreme opinion to say that the only way to the father is through Jesus. That's an extreme opinion for a lot of people, but you believe it and you're open about that. And being open in your titles, being open about that in your content and being authentic to who you are, I think, of course, it's gonna, you're gonna get comments, you're gonna get clicks because people are looking to prove you wrong or they're looking to be like, I love that, that's right. And so can you just speak a little bit about you being so open with your faith? You did a podcast series on the Bible and that was one of the most engaged with podcasts and you're you're following exactly what he's saying. It's a, and it's extreme opinion, but can you talk a little bit about why why are you so open with your faith? I know you don't do it for the views, um, but can you just touch on where that stems from and, and why you do that? Yeah, I think it's been an evolution of personal growth for me and I think a couple things. One, the closer we get to just being our authentic selves, the better. And I think that that will also resonate on content more. Like you, as soon as you're really you, your your true convictions, your true beliefs all start to get an alignment, I think there could be power there. Now, it's no guarantee that it actually will get views or whatever, but I just think part of it for me was me just actually overcoming fear and it having a lot more to do with, it's just exactly who I am. Like, I right. believe that the Bible is the greatest success book ever written. I believe it's a lot more than that, but it's better than any self-help, any modern psychology book. In fact, modern psychology is is only now verifying things the Bible's been saying for thousands of years. And so that's what I, I feed off of. I think having good mentors too. Um, Shalene Johnson encouraged me. She actually said, you shouldn't really be afraid of sharing your faith. You should be actually more bold about it for a couple reasons. One, you should polarize away people that are offended by who you truly are. Because think about the opposite. I'm going to pretend to be someone else, or I'm not going to be fully open with my views, because then maybe I will retain more of an audience. Well, why would you want to retain an audience that doesn't love you for who you truly are? So it's like, if you being open about your true convictions pushes people away, that's a good thing. And so, of course, I think that I also try to be not weird in the sense of we don't do like Christian camera reviews. It's not even such a thing. It's like other, in certain environments, I think as I've had more environments to also be more vocal where if we're, if we're bringing pure YouTube tips, well, that's what it should be. But vertical video, a podcast like this, clips from this podcast going out. I think that uh, she encouraged me to, again, that that's ultimately a good thing. And then it helps. Uh, Of course, we respect divergent beliefs and opinions and all this different stuff in our community. But uh, those who come closest to us are people, and and Simon Sinek, start with why. As I studied that talk in that book, he talked about it's not just what you do, it's not just how you do it, but people, it's why you do it. And people like to follow people with shared beliefs and shared values. So the more you talk about your beliefs and values, that's what will polarize the strongest people to you. And then finally, you were in Miami when PBD was talking about in a 2023 and beyond world, people just want to know where you stand. He's like, the people that are winning are actually the most vocal about uh, what they believe. And that these days, even if people disagree with you, mature people can connect with and be friends with people who don't believe the same thing as them. The people that get offended by it actually show just the lowest level of maturity um, because I want 
mature people can hear from both sides, kind of at least entertain different opinions, and then still know what their own convictions are. So I think, for example, PBD is just bullish on capitalism. He's like, that is my mission, which is very offensive to some people, but look at what he's built. And then look at people on the other side, whether you're on the right or the left or in the middle. Like, I think what you are, you're seeing success in every single vertical. And so I have found that I'm most fulfilled. I'm most in alignment. Integrity means being an integer. So it's not, at the deepest levels, it's not making something up or doing something for a gimmick, like this will be a good strategy. It's actually just as I've matured. And the biggest thing to overcome was fear. Fear of other people's opinions. Fear that what if, and I had to decide too, am I more convicted about my beliefs and my values and more committed to those than I am even about the success of our company? I'm not gonna make our company valuable, but I don't care if I lose followers. That was, that was uh, at previously I had fear. What if I lose followers? What if I offend somebody? And one of the things I learned was forget your faith or your religion, you're going to offend people no matter what. You're going to offend someone for wearing a blue jacket yeah. right now. You're going, <laughs> so it's just going to happen. You have <laughs> to get over yeah. the fear of other people's uh, opinion. The fear of man is a trap. It's a snare. And so you've got to get, and that's such a free place to be. Like I, I got to admit, I am happier and more at peace and more the, I don't know, I wouldn't even say negative comments have increased, but every once in a while, someone you know will, will share something related to that, but I'm more at peace about it because, again, it's not a gimmick. It's just who I am, and uh, I think that – I think it's a pretty cool – and then it's – and to that end, it, we also do teach that. I mean, look at like someone like an Andrew Tate. He is the extreme – the more extreme the opinion, and he has some of the most extreme opinions. People have different – what I can respect about him because I disagree with – I agree with a lot of his stuff and disagree with a ton of it, but I like anybody who is not afraid to share their opinion. Right. Like who is, if he is being authentic and he's being authentically himself, then good. And that, if you're listening to this, I think that's the goal to do, to get clear on your values, your convictions. What are your extreme opinions? Those could also, if they're truly yours, those could really help you grow by sharing those on social media and on YouTube. Totally agree. Uh, The next one is that, Mr. Beast is saying that the next Mr. Beast, kind of like the next biggest YouTuber, isn't going to do what I'm doing better. They will reinvent their own lane. And it makes me think of all the YouTubers out there copying his style. And I wonder if they're missing it because what he's saying is, if you want to go farther than me, you need to be you times two. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, that's what he's saying. Yeah, you got to be you times two. I'm going to be mean times three. <laughs> I, I heard somebody uh, that were making like a meme about YouTube gurus say that because I always say you times two. And uh, you know, what's funny about that is I agree. And I do wonder, and, and not, no shade against Mr. Beast, I could turn it on ourselves. Is his content getting tired? Is it getting a little bit, his his format? Is ours. I think that not only who's the next Mr. Beast going to do, what's the next Mr. Beast? I'm confident he'll discover that. I'm. What's the next Think Media? Like this industry for sure, you got to reinvent yourself. I think YouTube does have a lot of correlative effect to like the music industry. And what you know in the music industry is you always hear about it. You hear about one hit wonders. They have one jam. It's the jam all summer. And they literally never come up with another song. And now- through licensing and through maybe that song being used yeah. in movies, that thing, it could be good enough to, to set get them set up for life. But the most interesting artists 
are ones who generation after generation continue to reinvent themselves and stay relevant. I, people could debate this, so I, maybe we'll trigger some people, but I think that, and I don't really follow her that closely, but I think Madonna has been one. She's been around and she's reinvented in herself decade after decade. I think other artists, the Rolling Stones, I think those guys are still performing right now. And they built a fan base and maybe they've had not just multiple hit songs, but multiple hit albums. You look at somebody like a Kanye has consistently, you look at a Jay-Z over time, consistently see over time that's built up a catalog. Their sounds have also changed. Their styles have maybe, and people, the joke with Kanye is, you know, we want the old Kanye, hate the new Kanye, want the old. And nevertheless, uh, you can also just look at the charts, you look at the numbers. So no, that's a good point. I think that number one, the new Mr. Beast will do something different, but also Mr. Beast will need to become the new Mr. Beast. And I believe he will as is true for us as, as well. And I think the takeaway for the listener, you could experience some short-term success, nothing wrong with it. You could have a great run, maybe blow your business up a little bit by leaning into YouTube, get some leads, get some clients, get some sales if you're on that side of things. Maybe launch your career and move it somewhere else. Some people have done that. But if you want long-term success in this, you have to be committed to constant innovation and change and reinvention. I Real quick, I want to get your thoughts on Casey Neistat. Yeah. And uh, just to make this practical for, because I've seen a lot of big YouTubers that were big five years ago that are still doing the same exact thing that worked for them back then. And I am kind of under the belief that I think Casey, I think he's so talented and such a good filmmaker and storyteller that he will make the shift. But I'm watching some of his recent videos and I just noticed the view counts are so much lower than when he was doing the daily vlog. Do you think someone like Casey, who kind of struck gold in this moment back then, like what does he need to do? Does he need to reinvent himself? Because he's such a big person. Like a a lot of people are like, oh no, dude, he's set. But like, does someone like him, what are your thoughts on Casey Neistat posting today? So- Uh, With utmost respect for Casey and an outsider's perspective, a couple things that I believe to be true. One, I want to say, I don't know how well off financially, I'll bring in this piece of it, how well financial he was because he did have an HBO series that he sold before he ever, he he worked with HBO, did a whole series with his brother, the Neistat brothers or whatever, before he even blew up on YouTube. Two, I'm not sure what his even financial background or his investing background, but it's not cheap to live in New York with that big of a square footage, whatever. So I'm speaking to the aspect of financial stability and even his vision for his life. I don't know what his vision for his life is. So then three, not only did his YouTube channel probably incredibly lucrative and a few brand deals, but then he creates Beam and sells it to CNN for $25 million. And so I don't know what he walks away with, but like, depending on who you are, kind of like set for life money. And that one event, that one exit event, he also himself said he burnt out from his vlogging and they moved to to California to live on the beach and, and kind of rest and recover and surf. And now he seems to be in kind of the same mode. PewDiePie is another good example. PewDiePie is self-articulated that he's retired. He's like, I'm done. I actually have retired. And he shows up every once in a while. He'll pop on and do a book review or like react, play a game because he wants to. And so is he retired? It's like, you know, different hip hop artists like announce their retirement just so they can relaunch an album a couple times. And maybe it's not that they weren't sincere about retiring, Tom Brady. Like <laughs> yeah. they, you retire and you come back, like it's your choice to sure. come, come out of retirement. So I think that 
my conclusion in a long answer to the Casey Neistat question is one, I kind of think he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Two, he's making a documentary. It's I think it's done about David Dobrik. Okay, yeah. So I think he all because he's solved the money problem and maybe yeah. it's been solved, he's able to just follow his creative passions. And I would say, and would be also true about Mr. Beast. You're driven by the work and the creativity, but not everybody wants to. It, that would be yeah. the assumption that YouTube and like going viral on YouTube and reinventing yourself on YouTube is what winning looks like and that that is your definition of success. That's fine. But I don't, I would, it would appear that Casey's energy towards his channel is kind of like he doesn't care that much. I mean, he loves his audience. He loves creativity, but he's kind of doing what he wants when he wants the upload frequency. So he's not pushing to just crack the algorithm. Whereas Mr. Beast, it would seem is trying to better his previous best constantly win the YouTube game. I don't think he wants to make a documentary or something else. That is what he wants to do. And so it's a very good conversation that you bring up because, um, in some cases people need YouTube to work. So they should be incredibly focused. As your point, they should be figuring out the next version of themselves or figuring out how to keep winning on YouTube because they have not solved the forever financial problem like someone like Casey. And I know that's not the only piece that comes into it, but yeah, it would seem to me that that's, he wants to do other creative projects, fun creative projects, have fun, do what he wants when he wants, collab with different friends. And what a cool point. If you're disciplined on YouTube for a while or you go on a run on YouTube for a while, that could be the vehicle that allows you to eventually kind of just follow your creative muse wherever it leads you. I think that's where Casey Neistat is right now. Mr. B said that all you have to do is make a hundred videos and improve something every time. That's all, that's all you got to do, Sean. Yeah, I don't know if it's all you have to do. And he said that a lot, but yeah. I think I think that's I think that's true. It's, it's a great a, principle. It's a great number to sprint for because so few will ever reach there. And it's not like upload the hundred of the lowest quality shorts so you can say you check the box. But if you really sit down and plan out a title, a topic, and a thumbnail and a concept and put some energy into a video and do it a hundred times, you will just transform as a human. And if you get a little bit better each time, even if you walked away from YouTube after that, you will be different. That is a, that would be, I think everybody on planet earth should upload a hundred videos and try to improve something every time. I'm not guaranteeing you'll be a successful YouTuber. I am guaranteeing you will be a better person. You will have learned things, learned things about yourself, overcome phobias, overcome fears. You will be transformed. You'll be more valuable to the marketplace. You'll be more valuable to the uh, your family. And you will also have greater self-awareness, even if you made the videos private after, I think that that is an exercise, just like going on an 100-day discipline of working out or 100-day of changing up your diet. If you upload 100, every single human should upload 100 videos on YouTube just for how it will change their life for the better. The key here is he's saying volume will, it's volume and analyzing. And uh, Alex Ramosi has a great quote that is, volume is the answer and time is is the ingredient. And so many people don't do either of those things. They want to grow on YouTube, but they don't put in the volume and then they don't give it time. And so I love that. Mr. Beast then shares uh, about his path to $100 billion. And he said that my goal is to make the best videos possible. I know whatever else that I want will come from that. So the path to $100 billion is to keep getting 100 million views of video 
or more. Wow. I mean, I believe he will, I believe Mr. Beast will reach $100 billion in terms of the valuation of his companies. And I think it is cool that he's found his one thing, make great videos. Because out of that, he has launched Mr. Beast Burger and Feastables, and he's launching these other projects. But what's fascinating is the reason he's able to do that is he has said he's hiring the best people. He's hiring CEOs from other packaged goods brands to run his chocolate bar. And it's his commitment to focusing on his strengths, doing the thing he's best at, that is the path to the expansion of the empire. I think a lot of us could learn from that, that um, maybe focusing on getting to your first $10,000 on YouTube, your $100,000 a year, a seven-figure business, an eight-figure business is figuring out a core product. And this is true for any business. What is your core offer? What is your core product? Mr. Beast's core offer and core product are these incredible videos. Sure, Gaming Reaction Channel also does good. Sure, Little Side Projects does good. But what's the one thing? And he's figured out his one thing and he wants to keep going deeper on the one thing as the path to expanding into multiple things through the help of teams, systems, and uh, building a brand so valuable that it kicks open every door. I love that. And th- this next one goes really deep. Uh, so just kind of prep yourself for this because he started talking about how every milestone that Mr. Beast would hit at 1 million, at 20 million, and now he's 100 million and even over 130, you know, maybe 150 by the time people are watching this uh, podcast. He talks about how he, got, he gets more and more lonely. And he means that there's less people there, but it's really interesting because you have someone who is breaking records and is using the word loneliness when you think they would attract more friends, more high level people around them, bigger, more money. He's becoming more lonely. I don't know. What is, what advice would you give to people who feel lonely in in their content creation and are maybe chasing success. And the further they get along, they feel like they're not. And I don't want to say that this, that is Mr. Beast. Maybe it's slightly out of context, but I think it's a really good conversation because we've just seen it so many times where you reach new levels, but you get more lonely. I don't know if that's something that you've encountered, but what would you say to that? Well, this actually gets me kind of passionate. And again, with respect for Mr. Beast, another quote he says here, there's just not that many people that want to give up everything, go all in, and then obsess over making the best videos every day of their lives. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a little unhealthy, honestly. I think that one, I respect what he's doing. Two, he can make his own choices. Three, he's found his obsessions. He said, it's this or I'm dead. But, (laughs) you know, I come from a biblical worldview with the belief that things like family and things like people should have children if they can. They should get married. And he may do all those things. He's young. I think he's 24. They should have, I think they should have balance. I'm not trying to judge somebody that goes to an extreme, but there's a verse in the book of Ecclesiastes that says, the man who fears God avoids all extremes. Mind you, this is written by somebody who was a lot bigger than Mr. Beast in the context of his era. King Solomon is the wealthiest man who ever lived, still by If you go by inflation and the value of the gold and all the data that is recorded in the Bible, he's the wealthiest man who ever lived. He had vineyards and he built cities and he built all these different things. So he had a big life just like this. And he got to this place of things are vanity, things are meaningless. I think that 
obsession out of control will lead you to a bad place, I think. And the path he's on, the amount of fame and accolades and money and open doors and opportunity, that's enough to mess up anybody's soul. Just that's enough to a weight to carry, pressure to steward. And so I'm, one, really grateful that he is being uh, vulnerable about this. Two, um, it is very interesting that he's saying the higher he goes, the lonelier he gets. But it's my belief, other people do say that it's lonely at the top, but I think that if it's lonely at the top for you, you did it wrong. You did not nurture relationships along the way that weren't just about business. You did not leave maybe some money on the table or some opportunity on the table. Again, treading lightly, I don't want to be critical, but this whole thing, he'll push himself to burnout, rest a couple days and get back to work. You see a little bit of Elon in there as well. And I'm not sure how Elon's doing, but but what my conviction in seeing that this book, the Bible, who really can read the human spirit and soul and is just prescribed a way of life that doesn't just lead to success, but leads to total success. Like the Hebrew concept of being blessed is soul prosperity, happy in your heart, happy in your mind, happy when you're alone, having peace like a river, joy like a fountain, like having these these are the things that matter most in life. And at Think Media, we, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're like, yeah, let's build big companies and let's generate wealth and let's make a difference and let's hustle really hard and let's be obsessed. But I, I get to experience a lot of different entrepreneurs that, you know, Jesus summed up the whole thing. He just said, what good is it to gain the world but lose your soul? And I don't know, I don't hear people talking about those things. I have never heard Mr. Beast, and he may have said it somewhere, express an interest in guarding his soul or his mental health or some of those things. So from an outside loving perspective, it would just be that I think the intentionality to invest as much energy that you invest in making great videos into family or friendships or or your own soul. And of course, at the deepest levels, that that a life that ultimately is disconnected from the creator, and I'm not sure where he's at, but this just goes for anybody, a life that's just not connected to the creator will never fully find that for fulfillment. So yes, you will reach the top. At the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, what Solomon says is he goes, I actually kind of learned the conclusion. He went down a really dark path and he went down the path of like partying and going super hardcore into vice. He also went down the path of going super hardcore into being proper and disciplined. And he's like, on either side, if I'm not connected to my creator, it's vanity, it's meaningless. And at the end, he said, man, fear God and obey his commandments. So I do think there's something about staying grounded. And it's interesting to watch this as a, a case study playing out. This and everybody else, like everybody, we're seeing what YouTube is doing. We're seeing what rapid fame can do. I wouldn't even call it rapid. He has put in the work. It, it, you could argue it's been slow growth, like in the sense of, we're talking years. It's not like this was overnight for Mr. Beast. There was years of obscurity, a couple hundred videos before people knew him. He definitely has been put in the work growing into this whole thing. But this is a, a, a real interesting thing to consider, I think, um, that we should be thoughtful of about we don't want to be rushing so hard to get to the top of the mountain that it's lonely at the top. If it's lonely at the top, you did it wrong. I just think everyone, including myself, you know, I don't want to, and I know you're not being critical and I don't want to be critical of Mr. Beast. I think what we can do is just like if, if Mr. Beast was 
he's probably not going to listen to this, but if he was, I would want to like, just ask him why. And that's a question I'm asking myself, you know, just to put it on myself. I'm like, anyone, anyone watching this, if you want to have the biggest YouTube channel in the world, if you want to make the most money in the world, if you want and fill in the blank, it's just like, why do you want to do that? And I think for me, you know, that's just something I've been looking at the goals that I've been setting and I'm like, why am I really chasing after this goal? Because when I get there, will that actually satisfy the thing that I'm longing for? And ultimately, you know, I'm a Christ follower as well, you know, and I grew up in church. My parents are pastors and past few years, you know, I, I've, I've definitely disconnected just from like that time with God. But I've found uh, just these past couple of months, I've just kind of been, been spending more time with him and I and I feel that purpose like kind of come back where it's it's been a shift and I and I think people need to to think about why and it's a really hard question to grasp um, and so because I just know at the end of the day if I make the amount of money or the amount of subscribers if I get that silver play button is that actually going to be it for me or will it be on to the next thing. And, and I, and I just know me and I know that, uh, some of those goals that I've been chasing aren't going to satisfy my soul. And, um, you know, for me, I've, I've found that in, in God. And, and I think that's why, you know, I connect and a lot of people connect with you too. You're open about that, uh, and finding that connection there. And it's a deep topic. I said, this one was going to get deep because it's like back to YouTube. Why are you doing this in the first place? And I love that you talk about your why and you teach on that and you, and you tell people to like focus on that and, and the mission. And, and, uh, it's not all about views. It's not all about subscribers. Like we're doing something deeper here and, um, it's a heavy convo we, that we're going to need to probably dive into another podcast about it. Cause yeah, it's deep. Yeah, no, I love this convo. And it kind of rem reminds me, like, at some point, it's a good exercise to write your epitaph. Is that what it's called? You write your eulogy. One of the things I read a book 10, 15 years ago that said, write your own eulogy, what they would read about you at your funeral. Because you want to talk about ultimate reverse engineering, work backwards yeah. from that <laughs> day you're dead. Yeah. And... The th even the process of writing your own eulogy would be to sit down. And, you, and so for me, I might want to say like, he was a man who was generous. He cared about his family. He was a man who cared about other people. You also, hope, you're writing down maybe some ideals and then you're thinking, man, I'm going pretty fast right now. Like I'm, I'm burning, I'm blowing past people. I'm so much more obsessed with success. Am I really valuing my relationships? One of the things that I need to constantly readjust is, is uh, my is, is friendships, the category of friendships. And I know that men stereotypically sometimes are like, you go like a year and then text them. And it's yeah. like, you just, I just text my friend, Jesse Tillman from high school. Uh, I just text him back. And I was actually sitting with my friend, Spencer Hurst in, in Washington. And I'm so, in, well, I'm also in a season of the kids. So it's like, yeah. it's like think media, kids, Sonia, and that's it. But I'm sitting with, they, Spencer comes over and I'm like, we're talking about Jesse. So I bring up my phone with Jesse and I, I, I thumbs up his last text to me and I text him back. It wasn't quite two years since I replied to his text. I ghosted him for two years. Oh, God. <laughs> now, now he knows me and, and he was then, he's selfing me back. We're talking back and forth. He's with his uh, wife, Emily, and just love them so much. I think we've maybe hung out with them because he comes, he, he runs a concrete business. He comes to Vegas for this concrete conference. Here's the point. It, it's an area where 
when you th- when you think about the end, you work backwards. You have to make adjustments along the way. When NASA or SpaceX launch a, launches a rocket, it's not going to hit tar- the target unless they make adjustments along the way. It's why you need a dashboard. It's why you need to be constantly making adjustments. The opportunity here for Mr. Beast and all of us is to identify something like, I just get more lonely as I'm going to the top. And and that's like a check engine light. That is like, it, it, it doesn't even have to be overly dramatic necessarily. What it should be though is, we probably need to make some adjustments and look at how cool it is that you blast off you, 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 you took off, you've made a ton of progress, you're on your way to the destination, but if you don't check in with your soul and with the other gauges, you wanna be, make sure you're measuring the right things. If all we're measuring, like you said, why? Why is the success of the videos? That's a great success, he's an inspiration to a lot of people, but what about the other areas? And I think a life that is bankrupt in some of the most important areas and for me, we all probably have our extremes. We over-index on maybe even the family side. We're like, family is everything, and that's a cool thing. But like for a lot of us, not everyone's maybe called to it, but like building something and building a channel and building a business and building something you're proud of is another piece of the puzzle. It's just not the only piece. And so lately, I've been thinking a lot about if a pilot leaves Florida to fly to Seattle, they have, they have a dashboard and they have instruments that they tweak the flight path along the way. If you are not checking in with your flight path, you will be way off course. And and that's not anywhere any of us wanna be, taking some time, checking in with our soul, our health, our mind, where are we at, our relationships, and taking an honest gauge of if you've been investing. I know he even, his girlfriend, which is, he's like, we like to learn together because if it's not about learning, then it doesn't matter. It has to all map back to the channel. That's the season he's in. That's totally cool. But uh, I think that a little bit more margin, I think for most people, especially most type type A driven entrepreneurs type of people, people wired like us, I think that their propensity is to go too extreme and to neglect areas that, that matter. And I think that at the end of our lives, we won't be if we left a little bit of money on the table or we left a few thousand subscribers on the table or we left a few projects on the table, I don't think that those will be the things that we will uh, be as worried about. I think we might wonder, dude, I can't believe I never text Jesse back, man. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I can't believe uh, I, I didn't check in with Jesse and Emily for such a long time. People matter most. Relationships matter most. Our relationship with God matters most. The community we're in. And- it's not either or, it's both and, but I know I'm given to that extreme. So one, I think caring about Mr. Beast, I agree. Like nothing but love. Two, this is an opportunity for us here on the Think Media Podcast to even have a personal check-in with where are we going? What are we building? And how can we make adjustment? Not even to get super like mad at ourselves. It wasn't, you know, Jesse's laughing about it. That's the way, the nature of our friendship. He's like, I literally can't believe it took you one year and nine and a half months to respond to my last text message. He's like, bro, I asked if you want to go to coffee. Uh, he goes, they shut down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole landscape of the town has changed since then. A good reminder to just, man, what are we building? Where are we going? Why are we doing this? And hey, Think Media Podcast, let me know what you got out of that episode. And if you actually want to check out the episode Nolan mentioned all about three YouTube secrets I learned from the Bible that every creator should know, click or tap the screen to check that out. Subscribe if you're not subscribed. Hit like, and we'll see you in the next one.